Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Friday, December 13th. I'm Lorreen Cáceres. Articles of impeachment against the 45th president of the United States, Donald J. Trump, now moving forward to a full vote in the House of Representatives. A new ProPublica investigation found that doctors hired to evaluate the health of green card applicants have not been properly vetted by federal authorities. And a father is seeking justice for his son, who after being violently punched, died from his injuries. Now a law known as the one-punch rule might allow the suspect, if convicted, to spend less than one year in jail. This and much more today on You News, recorded live in our newsroom in Miami. We begin today with a historic day in our nation's capital. Articles of impeachment against President Donald Trump now moving along to a full House vote after a long debate. That debate ending abruptly last night, anchoring Republicans. President Trump reacting from the White House this afternoon. It's a witch hunt. It's a sham. It's a hoax. It's a scam. It's something that shouldn't be allowed. And it's a very bad thing for our country. And. You're trivializing impeachment. And I tell you what, someday there'll be a Democrat president and there'll be a Republican House, and I suspect they're going to remember it. To use the power of impeachment on this nonsense is an embarrassment to this country. The president just said it. It's an embarrassment to our country. Thank you very much, everybody. All this going on as the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says there is no way the president will be removed. Here's the very latest. A historic moment, 21 years in the making. Mr. Buck votes no. Mr. Radcliffe? Mr. Radcliffe votes no. With a 23 to 17 vote, the House Judiciary Committee approving two articles of impeachment against the president. Today, today is a solemn and sad day. For the third time in a little over a century and a half, the House Judiciary Committee has voted articles of impeachment against the President for abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. The House will act expeditiously. The conclusion to two days of a long debate that ended last night abruptly after 14 hours when the chairman decided to end the session. The committee is in recess. Republicans furious at the unexpected move by Democrats. You chose not to consult the ranking member on a schedule issue of this magnitude? So typical. This is, the, the, this is the kangaroo court that we're talking about. Convinced the decision was a way to stop the minority from introducing more amendments to the articles. We did not, we had plenty of more amendments and other things we could have offered tonight and been here all night. But we chose to say, we said all we need to say, they said all they need to say, and we we're finishing this up. That was the most lack of integrity thing I've ever seen by a member of Congress, especially a chairman. For Democrats, it was important to have the vote at a time when the country could watch. We want to do it in broad daylight, so first thing in the morning, so um, everyone can see exactly what's going on. On Thursday, Republicans introduced countless amendments trying to undermine the articles of impeachment, arguing Democrats are upset at the success President Trump has had. Taxes have been cut, regulations reduced, the economy growing at an unbelievable rate, lowest unemployment in 50 years. Even though Republicans are not expecting to win the battle in the House, in the Senate, they say the president has nothing to worry about. 
the case is so darn weak coming over from the House. We all know how it's going to end. There's no chance the president's going to be removed from office. Some Democrats are asking McConnell to recuse himself from the Senate trial after admitting he is coordinating with the White House on how the Senate trial will be carried out. Uh, Representative Jay Paul of Washington saying it's ridiculous to basically have the chief juror coordinate with the defendant. A full House vote is expected next Wednesday and then the case goes on to the Senate. For more on this story, let's go to Richard Barbario. He's a political science professor at the State University College of New York at Oneonta. Thanks for joining us, Professor. Well, thank you for having me. As we mentioned earlier, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is coordinating with the White House on a Senate strategy. How unprecedented and inappropriate is it for the jurors to coordinate with the defendant, in this case, President Trump, on a trial strategy? Well, we are sort of in uncharted waters in a way. Every impeachment that we've had has, has been indifferent. And even going back to the Clinton impeachment, uh, there was a conscious effort, I believe, on the part of those in the Senate at the time to try to avoid uh, even uh, having the hint of some type of coordination with the White House. But here we see uh, Majority Leader uh, McConnell very uh, purposefully uh, telling uh, everyone on Fox News that this indeed was going to be the plan going forward to work hand in glove with the White House. Now, that is not to say that the president's going to get everything that he wants out of uh, the majority leader or uh, the Senate, but uh, this type of coordination is really rather unique. McConnell's also prejudging the outcome. Last night on Fox, as you were mentioning, he said there's, quote, no chance the president will be removed from office. Does that surprise you? Not in the least. Uh, this has largely been a foregone conclusion. If we just take a look at the raw numbers uh, of uh, Republicans and Democrats in the United States Senate, uh, really the way to think about this is, is how many votes are there for conviction. And it's very unlikely that any of the members of the Republican conference in the Senate will come over and vote for conviction. Uh, it is far more likely that there may be a handful of Democrats who cross over and uh, actually say that there was no high crime or misdemeanor here. The articles of impeachment, in fact, don't hold any water. Someone, uh, you know, along the lines of maybe a Joe Manchin, for example, might say that this really it does not rise to the level of removable opponents. And Professor Barrio, now that you speak about the votes, how many votes does the Senate need to acquit the president? And does it look like Republicans have the votes uh, to clear him? Well, they need 67 to, to convict him, I think is probably the best way to think about it. And there is really no chance that that's going to happen. There just aren't enough uh, Republicans who, who would even consider joining with the Democrats to, to get to that number. So it, it's a very long or large gap between what is necessary for conviction and removal and what is likely to transpire with the votes that are currently there in the Senate. And I really don't see the trial changing that in any fundamental way. What impact will the trial and likely acquittal of President Trump have on next year's presidential election? This is a, a very pertinent question uh, because it roils the waters a bit for some of those leading Democratic candidates uh, who happen to be United States senators. So Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, uh, they're going to have to take time away from the campaign trail to come 
and act as jurors in this trial. And with the Iowa caucuses and with, with uh, the New Hampshire primary coming up very, very quickly, those candidates are not going to want to get off the campaign trail for a second, let alone for an extended trial. So the period of time that this trial takes place could be very meaningful to those candidates. Of course, President Trump is already uh, campaigning on this issue, that he indeed has been wronged by the House of Representatives and is looking for this trial as a way to acquit him and to give him a, a shot uh, of adrenaline towards uh, his, his candidacy uh, going towards re-election in 2020. And Professor, my last question, as we've already discussed and mentioned, President Trump is most likely going to be cleared by the Republican-led Senate. But could anything change last minute? What will you be looking for? Well, there, there's always the, the possibility. This is not truly a trial in the sense that we understand criminal trials in the United States. But there is the possibility of something happening. It's a remote possibility that, that some uh, bombshell might emerge. But at this point, that tree has been shaken so hard. All the information seems to have come forward in ways that are unlikely to upset the ultimate uh, conclusion of this trial. Well, thank you so much, Professor Richard Barbario, for joining us and clarifying a lot of these points. We appreciate your time. In other Washington news, President Trump has signed off an initial trade agreement with China. The agreement would avoid new U.S. tariffs and reduce the rates of existing duties in exchange for a Chinese promise to purchase American farm goods. Trump already announced the broad contours of the Phase 1 deal in October. The two sides have been haggling over specifics since then. The Phase 1 deal, however, does not address the major structural changes to China's economy President Trump has sought. And on Thursday, federal lawmakers reached a deal in principle for a sweeping agreement to fund the government. The $1.37 trillion agreement includes all 12 spending bills. The development eliminates the threat of a government shutdown for now. Top congressional negotiators clinched the deal in principle a little more than a week before the looming deadline. An aide said the forthcoming legislation will likely proceed in two separate packages that will get full House floor votes on two Tuesday, it's expected to then pass to the Senate. The Pentagon's inspector general will review a $400 million border wall contract after concerns of inappropriate influence. The move comes after the chairman of the House Committee on Homeland Security, Representative Benny Thompson, said President Donald Trump repeatedly urged officials to award the contract to a company called Fisher Sand and Gravel. Thompson requested an official review from the Defense Department's official watchdog agency. She says the company was selected to build the wall despite a history of environmental and tax violations. And in other immigration news, doctors hired to evaluate the health of uh, green card applicants have not been properly vetted by federal authorities. That's according to a new investigation by the nonprofit news organization ProPublica. Reporters for that publication finding that many times doctors in the UCIS roster have a history of professional misconduct, including sexual improprieties, drug abuse, and fraudulent practices. Let's go to Sophie Chow. She's a data reporter for at ProPublica. Thanks for joining us, Sophie. Hi. Sophie, your reporting is based on an inspector general report from last year, which found many irregularities. Can you give us some examples of the misconduct found by investigators? 
Sure. Um, when we look through these doctors' records, we found that they had been doing all kinds of things, um, including um, prescribing drugs to themselves and their family members. Um, some were even accused of sexual misconduct or sexual assault. Um, many of them were charged for fraud. Sophie, what percentage of the doctors had checkered histories? Um, it really varied uh, from state to state. So we did a sample where we looked at five states where there were the most green card applicants. And in some states, there were as many as one in six almost. Are some of these doctors identified still practicing? Um, a lot of them are are still practicing, um, and I think that's one of the big problems. They're still giving green card exams. How are doctors placed on this list, and why is it vetting of these doctors failing, and what's going on? Um, so it's really easy to become a civil surgeon. Um, you just apply, you submit a fee, and you just have to prove that you've been practicing medicine for four years and you have a license. Um, so. It's very easy, um, and they just show up on the website and are, you know, allowed to do these. What did the Services for Immigration and Citizenship say when you contacted them about your story? Um, you know, they say that they are working on it. Um, they say that obviously they want to make the program better, but the thing is that they've known for more than a year that this has been a problem. And the inspector general had given them exact steps on how to make the program better. Um, so they say that they're working on it. And Sophie, just for clarifying for perspective, why is having doctors with a clear record important for the fate of many of these immigrants processing their green card applications? Um, it's important because these are, this is a very vulnerable population that's not going to report their doctor if they do something bad. Um, also, these doctors uh, really decide the fate of these green card seekers. Um, this form is an important part of the application process. Um, if they don't pass this medical exam, they might not get a green card. Thank you so much, Sophie, for joining us and sharing this information with us. We appreciate your time. Jose Manuel Zambrano was punched in the head on the street and died from his injuries. A law known as the one-punch rule would allow the suspect, if convicted, to spend less than a year in jail. Nayeli Chavez-Geller explains. On November 17th, Jose Manuel Zambrano was walking out of a bar on this Brooklyn Avenue when he was confronted by a group of men and then fatally punched in the head by a man identified as Joshua Hernandez. Two of the guys stood in front of him so he would get distracted, and the other one cowardly punched him through the back. It was malicious. After spending four days in coma, the 26-year-old Venezuelan immigrant lost his life. Police arrested Hernandez, who had a prior criminal record. However, he is currently being charged of assault, attempted assault, menacing and harassment in the attack, misdemeanor charges. If found guilty, he would serve a maximum sentence of one year in prison. He is currently free after paying a $20,000 bond. It's a reality that will continue to torment me, but I need justice. I need that the death of my son not be in vain.
His father wants the law known as the one punch to change. This lawyer explains why in spite of the consequences, the accused are not charged with a felony. Basically, you can't get charged for homicide or any serious charge because they would have to prove that your intention at the time of punching the victim was to kill him. José Manuel's father considers the law to be unfair and that criminals are being covered and protected by it. These people are a death threat because their hand is their weapon. They learned how to kill with it. Emmanuel had recently graduated from college and had a bright future ahead of him. Now, his name adds to the list of others who have died in the same tragic way. In New York, Nayeli Chavez-Geller, U News. And police in Los Angeles releasing surveillance video of a deadly hit-and-run accident in hopes someone will recognize the driver. The disturbing video shows the person behind the wheel slamming on the brakes to remove the man's body from the hood of the car. Dulce Castellano has the report. Brutally struck and abandoned was how 47-year-old Rufino Miranda ended on the street in South Los Angeles after he was hit by the driver of this vehicle who fled the scene. Accidents do occur, but you break the law when you don't stop and identify yourself or render aid to the individual. Authorities say the victim was lodged on the Ford Fusion's hood as the driver continued for about 150 feet and suddenly pressed on the brakes, causing the body to fall off the car. This surveillance video shows that the car had its emergency lights flashing and stopped briefly before fleeing. You know, this 47-year-old uh, gentleman, uh, he was just crossing the street. Uh, we prefer for pedestrians out there to use the crosswalk or cross in the block uh, on the corner of the street. Uh, but they knew what they did. Uh, they should have just simply stopped. This is where the victim was abandoned and later he was transported to the hospital where he passed away. The office of the coroner continues to search for his family members. Miranda's death has caused concern for his friends who live in the area. I have to accept that he's no longer here. May God have him in his kingdom, said his friend. They claim that part of the problem is the lack of traffic lights on this avenue. The city of Los Angeles has a hit-and-run reward fund that offers up to $50,000 for information that leads to the capture of offenders. In Los Angeles, Dulce Castellanos, U News. The Chilean Air Force said it has recovered human remains in the search for an Antarctica-bound plane that crashed earlier this week with 38 people on board. The head of Chile's Air Force, Arturo Merino, told reporters there were no survivors. The aircraft, which was heading to a base in Antarctica, disappeared shortly after taking off late on Monday from the southern city of Punta Arenas in the Chilean Patagonia, with 21 passengers and 17 crew members, all of whom were lost. Nicaraguan police used violence against a group of demonstrators who were asking the government of Pre President Daniel Ortega to release their family members from prison. The incident occurred outside a hotel in Managua where a gathering organized by different opposition groups had been held earlier. Families and opposition groups were protesting for the freedom of around 160 de detainees. They are uh, saying, uh, categorizing as political prisoners. Several journalists were also attacked by the Nicaraguan police while covering the protests. 
and former Bolivian President Evo Morales arrived in Buenos Aires, Argentina with other former government officials as political asylees. The foreign minister of Argentina said that Morales had requested political asylum when he resigned from Bolivia's presidency, but his request was denied by then-president Mauricio Macri. Morales, who was in power for nearly 14 years in Bolivia, accepted an offer of political asylum from Mexico in November. Now to northern Mexico, where a new app is helping highlight resources for immigrants near one of the busiest borders crossings in the world. The idea is a collaboration between two children of migrants, one in the United States, the other in Mexico. Nidia Cavazos explains. A group of activists from both sides of the U.S.-Mexico border is looking to make things easier for migrants in Tijuana with the mobile application. They have developed a digital tool that will allow people who have been deported, repatriated, or are in search of a humanitarian asylum get answers that they otherwise would struggle to find. And the people who want it will be able to use it without having to pay for it. Also, they will be able to download it. Our goal is that this application can be used without using data or Wi-Fi. MigrantMap is a unique idea created by those who offer assistance to migrants on both sides of the border. It helps migrants find shelter, places where they can eat, and even places to seek help from local or consular authorities. Those who can benefit are people in different migration stages, including asylum seekers or deported persons, also returnees, and people displaced. The app will also help migrants avoid dangerous areas in a city where violence is on the rise. To help migrants as they arrive in the city to avoid dangerous streets, whether they are deported or arriving at the border seeking political asylum. Their plan is already taking shape with the delivery of printed maps. The release of the app will be the second step. In Tijuana, Mexico, for U News, Jorge Fregoso, this is Nide Cavazos. More of U News after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. U News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. U News, your world, U News on Fusion. Welcome back to U News. And Lyft is launching a rental car service aptly named Lyft Rentals. The ride-hailing company made the announcement Thursday. The service lets users rent vehicles for as long as two weeks. Prices can vary widely depending on day and time and can rise to as much as $149 a day on the weekend. At first, the service will only be available in Los Angeles and the San Francisco Bay Area, where Lyft has been testing the program for the past few months. And if you use Amazon Smart Device, you can now get most of your questions answered in the voice of Samuel L. Jackson. For just 99 cents, you can hear the iconic actor's voice responding to your request for a weather forecast, music, or anything else. You can even ask Jackson specific questions to learn more about the actor himself. But he doesn't replace Alexa's voice. You have to include the phrase, Alexa, ask Samuel L. Jackson when you ask your question. 
The 99 cents price tag is an introductory offer. The regular price will be $4.99. And with Christmas fast approaching, a record 115 million Americans are, are expected to take the skies, rails, roads and waterways between December 21st and January 1st. That's according to AAA's 2019 holiday travel report. This is the highest number in almost 20 years. This is the eighth consecutive record high since AAA began tracking holiday travel back in 2001. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review. Join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.